So I was in bed the other day. It was like two days ago with my husband. And I was sort of we were just having a conversation. I was looking at him. And then all of a sudden, hand to the gods, it felt as though somebody was watching him through my eyes in that exact moment. I can't describe it. It was almost just like hyper intense, like presence, hyper awareness of the moment that I was in. But mixed with the emotion of somebody who was feeling nostalgia for that exact moment. All of a sudden, I was looking at him as though I hadn't seen him in 20, 30 years. And you, you had this feeling. I had this feeling of all at once, simultaneously, like intense love, intense caring for, but also the sense of like sadness, but like a bittersweet sadness, like just enjoying the moment but through my eyes. Now, the only person who could have actually looked at him in that way through my eyes would have to have been me. So I had the feeling that a future version of myself was looking back at my memories, but it was actually me. Like it it wasn't a memory to me at the time. It was my actual experience, but it was looking back. They were looking back through moments in time my experience in that moment, that Sunday morning, was my future self's memory. And I felt my future self feeling the emotions, reliving the emotions, but through me. I became aware of my own self watching my experience with my husband through me. And it was like somebody slowed down that moment and just was peering through it and not with the same observation like I love my husband but like not with the same you know you know how like married couples are you've been together for a while and you're just kind of having a conversation it was like somebody who just like had this like just deep you know when you really miss somebody I felt that I felt that missing but it was it had to have been me because um, who else would be looking through my, I mean, I would hope nobody else would be looking through my memories at him in that moment. I mean, it was like an intimate moment. It was a Sunday morning. We were having a conversation and not intimate in like, you know, like a sexual way, just intimate as in like an emotional way. But I didn't even feel that feeling <laughs> like somebody else was feeling it for me. I know it sounds weird, but this is a weird podcast. And those of you who've been listening, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure at least one of you guys have had this experience. And if you haven't, at this moment in space-time, I guarantee you, you're going to start having it more and more. Now, being the logical person that I am, my conclusion was this. I think that in the future, in the not-too-distant future, let's say in about 30 years, somebody or a company or corporation would have invented or has invented a sort of machine, a tool, a mechanism, a technology that you put on your head and it accesses aspects of your brain and allows you to send your consciousness back through moments in your life and relive intense moments in your life, beautiful moments in your life. I genuinely think that that is not only is it going to happen, I genuinely, I genuinely think that it is happening right now in the future. And that intensity that I felt on Sunday 
was this machine sort of being activated and a future version of myself was watching my husband through my eyes. And that, let me, I guess let me finish. That made me feel great about the future. It means that whatever, whatever impending, whatever the fuck that we all feel was coming around the corner, whatever it is, I think we're going to get through it and we're going to get through it okay. I mean, well enough where society is still intact for that type of technology to exist. So that gave me hope on one level. Unless, of course, it was a parallel version of myself and a parallel universe who's married to him as well. And they are able to scour the multiverse for versions of themselves who have had these intimate moments so that they can relive experiences with their loved ones. That's a probability as well, which then means that maybe we don't necessarily make it, but at least there's a version of myself that I'm entangled with. And if she can shift into me and view, this is so (laughs) sci-fi, but you guys are used to it at this point, so it's fine. If she can view my reality through my eyes, then I should be able to view her reality through her eyes, right? It's a door. So doors open both ways. It's just, can we figure out how to do it? So those are those are my dual perspective, but it certainly did not, it felt like me, but not me. And then it made me think like, gosh, like I really do need to work on being more present because if that's the case and such a technology is going to exist or does exist in the future, then I got to make sure that if it is me viewing my past memories, I got to make sure that my memories are clean and pristine and highly detailed so that when I do a regression with this technology, I can have the like the full experience because think about it like most of our lives we're like operating on autopilot right i mean if you meditate you're kind of working being more present things like that but if you move with this mindset of what i just told you if you hold it at your core if you hold on to this as like an actual thing as a probability i'm telling you it's a probability i'm telling you i've never i'm saying it nonchalantly only because i just have weird shit that keeps happening to me now that the weird has become the norm for me so i'm just like I'm just, I just, I'm learning to just kind of roll with the flow, right? It's like the first time something like this happens, not this exact thing, but something weird. Like a lot of people have been commenting or DM me about like the your death date um, episodes from 2020. Like that, that was like really when shit was like kind of starting up and I was like freaking myself out. You can hear what was going on just like two years ago. Now it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, this is the thing that happened. I'm going to tell you guys some other things that happened um, as well. But I'm just kind of like, I'm not even like, it's not even like, I mean, it's still like surprising, but now it's more like surprising, but with like a side of like, this is intriguing. And what could this mean? And is this, you know, it, it's not even is this. The universe is definitely communicating with me. And the more in tune I am to this, the more in tune I am to this. The more I expect it to communicate with me, the more it does communicate with me. So that gives me sort of like more of, okay, I really need to be present because if such a technology does exist, then I want to make sure that like the beautiful moments, my birthday, for example, I am full on 
actively recording everything, right? My birthday's coming up this weekend. So I want to make sure that like I'm tasting everything. We're going to um we're going to Addison's in, in San Diego, which is like San Diego's like I think it's like a Michelin star restaurant. It's amazing. Um to celebrate my birthday. And um I mean the food's always great. But I really want to make sure that I'm present and I'm tasting everything because if such a technology exists, when I'm like, you know, 80 or 70 or whatever, when I go back, I want to make sure that the, the taste of everything is present. That I want, I'm trying to help my future self experience the present moment down to like every morsel because I think I suspect that the memories that my future self will get to relive using this technology that I'm just taking as a matter of fact at this point, they are only as strong as how present you are now in the present moment. You get what I mean, right? So like... I, I intend to, God's willing, um, taste everything, feel everything, smell everything, right? So that when these memories are replayed, it's a smoother experience. Now, imagine if you lived your life like that. Not not from like a spiritual thing, right? Because from up until now, you know, most people listening to this were told to be present as a sort of more of a spiritual practice. But I like weaving spirituality with technology. So imagine if you being present means that you get to your future self gets to have a really rich, meaningful like memory when you're like old. Right. And you can go back and I don't even think we'll age the same way. I, I genuinely when I even say when I'm old, like I mean, like, I'm yes, my body will be like, oh, but I still intend to look fabulous um, because I feel like every generation has aged better than the generation before. And with all the knowledge and information that we have right now at our finger pit, uh, fingertips, finger pits that I just become okay, <laughs> finger pits, fingertips, right, then we should be able to age gracefully and I don't I'm not even like I do think that at some point they're going to figure out how to like stop telomeres for example from shortening and that even if you as you climb up there in age you're still going to maybe look 40 for 20 years right your your biological age will really matter less so much so as like just how you care for your body and the analogy I've used in the past is like if I bought like a 19 74 Coupe de Ville or something like that, right? And I kept it in the garage. I protected it from the sun, right? I only like drove it occasionally. I changed the parts. Like I took good care of it. I can, you can make a car that was made in the 1970s look amazing in the, in the 2020s just by the way you take care of it. It's not all going to fall apart just due to age. It's all about how you take care of it. So I, I do think that we can age well. You'd have to kind of step off what we're being told as far as like what you're supposed to be eating. You're going to have to like really take the time to do your own research. I think the biggest thing that I've observed, for example, is I pay attention to like movie scenes when like an um, older person, an older actor like takes off their shirt. And you'll notice that like I'm thinking right now of like Harrison Ford. I don't remember what movie I was watching, but he took off his shirt and like his neck and his face were like leathered. Was it Harrison Ford? I don't know. One of those type of actors. Um, but his face and his neck were like had like sort of weathered, but the rest of his body were like fine. So his face and his head were like 60, but the rest of his body 
was like 40. And I all I could think of was like, shit, like that's that 20 year age difference between the body and the face and the neck is a sun. Because that's the difference, right? It's like the the that's what's being exposed. Like he's not walking around without a shirt all the time, right? It's, you know, everybody wears a t-shirt. So that tells me right there that, okay, the sun's aging. You stay the fuck out of the sun, right? And if you're going to be out in the sun, wear sunglasses, wear your hat. I mean, I do that anyway, just on an introvert like basis, but like lean into that, right? Now imagine if you coupled that with, I'm not saying like, don't go out and get vitamin D from the sun. I'm just saying like, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, they go to the beach a lot, like at high noon, but like without like adequate sun protection. I'm talking to black people too. Like, I know we have the melanin, but like, imagine if you just did your morning sitting out in the sun kind of thing, got the vitamin D recharged and all of that. But then like from that point on, like, you know, you wore a hat, you wore sunshades just to protect your skin. You know what I mean? Um, but on top of that too, eating well, eating clean as best as you can. You know what I mean? Um, drinking lots of water, avoiding alcohol, avoiding caffeine, you know, taking more like they have like now, you know, nootropics, right? So more, more you know, vegetables, more fungi, more, you know, mushrooms, like natural, not like doesn't even have to be psychoactive mushrooms, but, you know, ashwagandha, uh, reishi, like these sort of like herbs that hold, like heal your body from the inside, you know, so taking those sort of things, um, avoiding stress, right? Avoiding, you know, too much like red meat. Not, I'm not saying that red meat is bad. I'm just saying like, you know, in moderation, taking more greens, more fruits, more vegetables into your diet, um, that kind of thing. Like I don't see us, you know, millennials and Gen Z and even some boomers, if you, it's not too late. Um, I don't see us aging in the same way as like the generation before that because when we don't have to. Um, so long as you step off the mainstream is what I mean, right? So as so long as you're not eating the McDonald's and, you know, the processed foods with the preservatives and things like that. So backtrack. Imagine if you moved in that way, right? If you move in that way of every moment that I'm going to go through life, especially if my future self is going to be reliving my experiences, what am I going to do? How am I going to move? How am I going to live? Right? I do this thing sometimes when I'm in certain situations because I'm like, I always talk about my life experiences with like my close friends. So sometimes I'll move and I also practice um, radical honesty. So sometimes I'll make a move because I know that when I have, when I go and retell my friends a story, it has to like be a cool story. You know what I mean? So like that influences how I may react to a given situation, knowing that I'm going to be retelling the story to a friend. Now take that a step further and now look at your life in that way, knowing that you're basically going to be rewatching your life. And yes, they say at the end of your life, you're, there's this like end of life review and then black, you know, your life like kind of flashes behind, you know, before your eyes. But I'm saying like, let's take it, let's drop that a bit. Let's make it less spiritual because understand in the society that we live in, anything that can be done intuitively or naturally, they are not working on a technological equivalent, right? For example, telepathy, that was something that was natural for human beings. And in some cultures, in some indigenous cultures, it's still possible. Don't have to believe me, hit up the search engines, right? But now you don't have to really 
you know, telepathically communicate because you have a telephone. So you can telepathically communicate with your friends and your family by using a telephone. So now you have a technological equivalent. It's kind of like technology is kind of like a great equalizer um, in a way. It just, it allows you to do things, you know, allows everybody to do the, the, do the same thing that maybe they wouldn't be naturally capable of, or they can tune in, they cannot tune into for whatever reason. All right. So that's what technology does. So the same thing. Um, I listened to a Lex Friedman podcast with, I think her name was Liz something or another. She was a chess master. Uh, no, not, sorry, not chess. Um, poker, she's a poker player. And um, she was saying how there are things that you would do intuitively before, but now they they take all of your movements and they record the movements that you make with the idea of being able to run it through a computer system and then figure out the pattern so that you can take something that you normally do intuitively and now you have a formula. Right, so now you're bringing something that it's you know you did subconsciously or that your subconscious did, and you're bringing it forward with technology. So the technology is the great equalizer for better or worse, you know, for better or worse. But there's always parallels, right? So I think that the end of the life review is a thing, but there's going to come a time. It's not even going to be that far ahead. Like mark this episode and come back either within like ten years. And it's not that far-fetched to even imagine because, look, as I approach my, you know, my birthday, and I'm not telling y'all how old I'm, I am. Like, he's always asking, like, how old am I? None of your damn business, <laughs> right? It doesn't even matter. It's like, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's how old do I appear and how old do I carry myself, right? Do I carry myself as a 60-year-old? Then cool, that's how old I am to you, right? Do I carry myself as a 20-year-old? Okay, that, that's how I appear to you. But when I was born, it doesn't really matter. And be mindful of that because to me, I also feel like that reinforces the aging process in the brain. Remember, you're programming yourself with what you believe. So every time somebody says, how old are you? You're reinforcing the aging process. The moment you open your mouth, you're basically telling your body, oh, okay, so this is how we need to start looking then. Don't fall for that shit. Mm-mm. How old am I? It's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> okay, don't worry about it, sweetheart. You focus on yourself and you do you. All right, that that needs to be an appropriate response because one, you're not going to. Because I I, you're not going. Don't, don't allow people to reinforce the aging process on you. That's all I'm saying. Because and I'm going to go on to talk about reality and the nature of this reality as we always do, of course. But we're going to delve a bit deeper. Um. It's gonna be a fun episode, I think, so long as I remember everything that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, so just bear that in mind. You know what I mean? Just bear that in mind. Now, if it's for like illustrative purposes, or you're trying to tell people, listen, I'm 65 years old, right? But look at my face because I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't, you know, stress and whatever. And you can look this way too. So if that's you, move accordingly because now it's like you're showing people, hey, you can get to this point. But if it's just somebody just asking for vanity's sake or they're just trying to like categorize you, um, don't tell them. You don't you don't have to tell them shit. I, I move the same way I move with cars in the sense of like you can't like like with like a Jeep Wrangler, for example, unless you're really like a Jeep aficionado, you can't really tell one year model from another year. You know what I mean? Um, so like keep that same energy, 
All right, it doesn't matter. Does the vehicle look good? Does it run well? Does it do what you needed to do? Cool, and that's it. I think it was Prince that said this. I saw an interview where he said he doesn't celebrate his birthday because he's like, this is how he stays looking young. Because, I mean, I think it was affiliated with his like religion, but it doesn't matter. Like one should not quibble with, with the point if it's, or with the source of the point, if it serves its purpose. You know what I mean? Like you take information from wherever it is that you need to take information from. That's how I believe in operating and moving. Throw that whole thing out the window. It doesn't matter what you're born, when you were born, right? Because I don't want to, don't reinforce that. Look at, look at how, for example, our parents are aging compared to like how their grandparents looked at the same age, right? So people in that age group, like people born in like the, like, in the 40s, for example, they look a certain way. And they looked a certain way when they were like 50, 60. That's because they thought that, that was what they were supposed to look like. And so it got reflected on that. Now look at the 50, 60 year olds of today. Go on Instagram. These are baddies. Like, and these are people who are taking care of themselves. They're working out, right? Not everybody obviously looks like that. But we've, we're seeing 50 and 60 look like 45, right? They're shaving 15 years off. And, and so it's, once again, the more we see that, the more we realize, okay, you don't have to look like that. You don't have to look like people who were born in the 50s when they reach 60, they look old as shit, right? It's like, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to look like that. You can still look good. You can still be young. You don't have to like cut off your hair or I don't I don't know what the male equivalent is, what guys do, what like just start drinking copious amounts of beer until they get the beer like belly and things like that and like get that weird like dad haircut. I mean, unless that's what you want to do, like do you, that's fine. But not everybody has to take that path. Like there are men now who are working out, there are women now who are working out, who are eating clean, because they're just like, No, I'm gonna I'm gonna age well. I'm not gonna age like my parents. I'm not gonna age like my grandparents. You get what I mean? So and if you already have good genes, right? And you're looking at your parents and they still look good, even if they lived kind of hard and ate like processed food because they didn't know better. Imagine how much more healthy you will be if you, you know, implemented the knowledge that you have access to now. Right. But no, I'm going to keep going back to the technology thing. Live your day to day life from this moment on. Imagine if you lived your day to day life with this like idea that you are going to be, there's going to exist a future and there's going to exist a technology in the future, like 15, 10 to 15 years from now or five to 15 years from now within that scope that allows you to put a helmet on and access your memories and, and sort of relive them, watch them. And they will be as vivid as like a Netflix show or a VR, you know, a VR thing where you're in there and now you're kind of reliving your life in VR mode, but it's your, I mean, that shit is more entertaining than anything, unless you've lived a traumatic life, but shift it at this moment, right? Shift it. That would be more entertaining and more interesting than I, to me anyway, than anything that I could watch um, on TV because it's me. I mean, we're all kind of a little narcissistic, right? A little focused on ourselves, a little in love with ourselves, right? And then I think that's the next step after that, right, is going to be what this world is now, where it's going to be a fully, fully immersive, you can go back, but this time, you can make changes. I think that's where Westworld season five is headed, right? Fully immersive, with the information stored in the memory of the, of the, of the computer, 
right, of the AI. Um, but now you can actually imp- you have to, you can start integrating AI. Uh, VR technology with your memories and then start seeing, okay, well, what happens if I do, if I did this instead of this, which I think is what we're going through right now. So I keep, I want to keep echoing it because this is a new, I keep repeating this point because this is a new concept that I know a lot of you guys haven't really been exposed to. Um, but I want you to become familiar with it so that going forward, it's now in the back of your mind when you're in different situations. It also makes you take a step back. I'm reminded of Nietzsche's um, demon. And uh, it makes you take a step back when you get into arguments with people, right? It has made me sort of pause and reflect like, hmm, looking back at the, the negative interactions that I've had with people, Negative doesn't always mean bad, but you know what I mean? Just didn't go the way I wanted it to go, for example, or I thought I wanted it to go. It always works out in the long run, but you you get what I mean, right? Just like when when I know I'm going to have to tell a story to my friends, I kind of move differently, right? It's like um, observation, um, observer effect, but I'm the one observing myself, knowing that I'm going to be retelling, right? Now imagine a technology where that same idea applies. So now... I know that I'm going to be rewatching my life. So what do I, do I want to be cringing in this particular, in, in any particular situation and find myself in? What kind of character now do I want to actually be, right? So the video I posted today, I talked about aliens and how people were, people always comment this about aliens. Every time I talk about UFOs and stuff like that, people always say, they're not, they don't interfere because they're not supposed to interfere. And I always like in the comments go like, well, but they do interfere. They are interfering because we can see them. But I was like, let me just put this in a video instead of like in the comments. Cause like most people don't read comments or whatever. So I did. So I basically said, listen, anytime you observe something, you change it. And it's not even that they're hiding like in Nope, right? Jordan Peele's nope. It's not like they're hiding in the clouds or some shit like that, observing us. These motherfuckers are just out in plain sight. We can see them. I'm talking to you about them right now. You're having congressional hearings about them this year and the year before, right? So it's, they're not, the moment you make yourself visible and I know that you're watching me, I'm going to change my behavior. Now, can you take that mindset and now apply it to your own life? If you know, and, and I, I want you to, because sometimes they say like, live your life like you know you're going to be like reliving your life. Okay, whatever, but throw that shit out. I want you to understand that the possibility of such a technology, if, you, if you're not a re, like a religious or a spiritual person, or you're just the kind of person who just leans towards more something like substantial, and you see what we're capable of with technology, then it no longer becomes far-fetched and you no longer have to have a belief, nothing wrong with having a spiritual belief in the, you know, a past life regression or not past life regression. Um, although that might become probable in the future future as well, but being able, like watching your life, your own memories, right? That, that sort of technology, the way they're figuring out the brain and, and things like that, it's not far-fetched. As I look back at my life and I think about when I was like 12 years old, if somebody would have told me about FaceTime being as prevalent as it is now. I don't know if I would have been able to like imagine it, but here we are, right? If somebody would have told me about VR, I put on a helmet, I might've had a little bit of an easier time imagining that only because I'd seen it in like sci-fi and stuff like that, right? Um, But I maybe would have thought that I 
probably would not live through that time period. But now, considering that we're e like we're easing closer and closer to a technological singularity, it's not hard to accept the fact that what I'm talking about already exists. And most importantly, that some people might actually be experiencing that and maybe just feeling out of it and not willing, not being able to like really talk through it or talk about it, or they don't have the kind of minds that are open to it or to consider that that is even a possibility of, you know, what they're experiencing. So then they just suppress it or just go, oh, that's weird or whatever. So I'm saying that use the observer effect. It's a, you can Google that or you can search it on your favorite search engine. Use the observer effect to your advantage and really turn your life into a VR game, but in real time right now, like really lean into the simulation hypothesis and really start acting, <laughs> right? They always say like, be your authentic self, right? And I'm saying like, be your authentic avatar self, like really lean into you're like who you are as an avatar, but un with the understanding that you're you really are just playing an avatar. So that is truly your authentic self. Your authentic self isn't Joe. Your authentic self is an intelligence who is cosplaying as Joe. So be your authentic self, because up until this point, right, Joe thought that she was the character. And that's not authentic because you're lost in the role. And what I'm saying is play the role of an intelligence. You can't open your mouth and say that we are all God and things like that, right? Or we're all a collective consciousness experiencing itself. Own that shit. Own that shit like you really are an immortal that is having a conscious, you know, um, a mortal experience and that the avatar really isn't you, Right? It's that you are actually just playing as the avatar and then weave in technological possibilities, right? Like the possibility that in, <laughs> it's annoying how I'm saying possibility, right? I don't know why I'm saying like that. Um, but the possibility that, I've been talking to my cousin too much, um, shout out to Jay. The, the possibility that in the future, in the very near future, I would say within, like I said, five to 15 years, I'm pushing it out because the feeling that I had when I was observing the memory of my husband was like sort of melancholy. So the reason why I kept pushing it out is because I wanted to be that it's further out where I'm now having to relive these memories. You get what I mean? So I'm doing that more for my sake, it's my own selfish reasons than what I think is actually possible in the near future. Um, and I'm pushing it out to like me being like, know much older and him you know like being much older as well so that's why I'm, I'm pushing it out I almost want to say like in 30 years so let's just say that for just for the sake let's say in 30 years um this is possible I do think it's going to be more possible within 20 years with that in that case then your life becomes like an, an actual VR game use the observer effect to your advantage like I said the, um, the repetition is intentional I want you to familiarize yourself with it. Um, use the observer effect intentionally. So if you're having an argument with somebody, right, ask yourself, okay, my future self is going to be rewatching this, right? Because it's an emotionally charged experience, right? Which is going to increase immersiveness, but it's also going to be a memory that's going to light up when my, my future self puts on this helmet, right? So how do I want my future self 
to view this conversation or this argument? How would I want my future self to take this in, right? What would I want to be watching as my future self? Would I be watching, would I want to be watching my past self? Would my future self want to be watching her past self like being petty or, you know, being reactionary? Or would I, would my future self want to watch my past, want to watch her past self, my present self being, you know, being more um, reflective and then choosing my responses and then move accordingly, move like you know that you trust that there's going to exist a technology that would allow you to rewatch this moment and relive this moment in time and then be in that moment and then act like act like play like you become the actor in your own life story but that you you're a conscious actor and you're also the director and you're also the writer right so you're giving it you're given all these sort of situations that are happening and then you just go in and then you're just like okay cool so this is a situation that's been given to me um instead of reacting i'm actually going to choose my actions i'm going to act and i'm going to direct the scene to where that the person observing me is me and it's going to be re-watching this and going to be like oh shit this is entertaining i like this shit keep that energy, take that energy and start applying it to things. And then it doesn't even have to be like big dramatic things. You can apply it to like little things. Like I've started getting into the habit of like at nighttime, for example, I really am starting to really like the dark. So I turn off all the lights. uh, And as I head to bed, I kind of feel what it's like to have my feet touch the ground and move, right? And, you know, the coldness of the floor and then the feeling of the railing and the texture of it. And then taking a deep breath. What does it smell like? You know, right? Looking up into the sky and then looking at the moon, right? What does that look like? Right? The, just really pulling it in with the understanding. And now I understand why maybe the reason why I've been having sort of a more and more of that sort of action where I'm like, really pulling myself into the moment. Maybe it's because my future self is nudging me to do this so that her her memories using this technology are that much more vivid. Now imagine if you could master this and you could hold on to this and this like became the way you chose to live life. Like what your life experience will become, right? Because now all of a sudden like, for example, if you're like stuck in a moment where it's like negative or you're looping or whatever, like you can disconnect and be like, mm, this is not going to be fun for me to re- have to rewatch this. I want to make sure that I'm looking, I'm creating scenes that are interesting, right? So if you're looping the same bullshit, for example, over and over again, like that's not interesting to watch, right? So really start directing your life. It's like become the director of your own life. Become the writer of your own life. I'm not saying you can control everything that happens to you, right? But you can certainly direct how your character, how your avatar reacts to it. Because it's one thing to be like, I subscribe to the simulation hypothesis. It's another thing to be like, no, I really, like, I'm leaning into that shit. I am not this avatar. I am an immortal entity playing as this avatar. And now this is me really settling into this role right? I'm really role-playing into this role. I think that would be a really fun way to live life. Um, Try it. Try it. 
All right, moving on. I had a weird retrocausal sort of, another sort of retrocausal experience. This happens and it's happening more and more lately. Um, but I I woke up kind of screaming last, like two nights ago. Uh, I In the past, I've been prone to night terrors. Um, and the way I'd stop them was I make sure that when I sleep, like the room is super cold. And I also make sure that I don't sleep on my back. Um, the problem though is that because I've been editing videos on my phone for like months now with TikTok and YouTube, I've been bending my my neck down a bit and it's caused a bit of what's called like tech neck. And so I had to go get like a Thai massage um, and um, a bit of an adjustment. And um, they were told, I was told that I need to make sure that I like sleep on my back or my side, whichever is the most comfortable. That's not going to trigger like the kind of, I've been getting like, there's some inflammation going on in my neck. There's always something. Ugh, it's annoying. Um, my friend said, she was like, well, that's what you, ha- that's what you get when you choose a Barbie body. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, so I was, I've been told you sleep on my back or sleep, sleep on my side. But when I sleep on my side, like I'm, pin- I'm still pinching, like I'm triggering the pinch nerve. So my back for now is like the best position that I can sleep in. But the problem is that it then triggers nightmares. Not every time, but it did a couple of nights ago. I had a dream that I was in my mom's house, my mom and dad's house, and um, I kept trying to tell my mom, hey, your house is haunted. And she wouldn't listen to me. So like, it was like closer to the nighttime, everybody went to bed, um, and I was like in the kitchen, and I turned around, and I saw my mom sitting on the couch watching TV. And so I walked up, like her hair was kind of different, it was like brown and long and straight, but I just figured, well, it's my mom. So I walked up to her and I was about to tell her, hey, mom, your house is haunted. And she turned and looked at me and it was definitely not my fucking mom. <laughs> like, it was a white lady, but she had like no face. She had like eyebrows and then literally like nothing else. No eyes, no nose, no mouth. And she like gets up and starts moving towards me like the ring style. And I was like, oh shit. And I'm screaming, but I'm not screaming from like terror. I'm screaming because I'm trying to wake everybody else up in the house Um, but also there's a part of my brain that's also trying to wake me up, which is the purpose of nightmares in case you guys don't realize that nightmares are typically if your body is overheating or if you're like, you're not getting air, which is why it's not good to sleep on your back. Um, for me anyway, because I, it, like I stopped breathing, your brain will construct a nightmare based on the things that you're afraid of in order to force you to wake up nightmares are meant to wake you up um or i should say that has been my experience so i can only speak from my experience um but every time i've had a nightmare it's either like i'm not breathing when i'm sleeping on my back i sleep better on my side for that reason um or it's like super hot it's one of those things uh, so I screamed to wake myself up and I woke up and I was like, but it wasn't like a normal scream because I wasn't fully in charge of my body. It was like my body was screaming without my consciousness. So it wasn't like my character screaming. It was the body screaming. So it was like, ooh, like that. <laughs> so I scared the fuck out of my husband. <laughs> and like he woke up and he, like he woke me up and I was like, yeah, I, I got it. Cause I was, yeah, I was on my back. So I'm going to try to sleep on the side. My bad. Sorry. Um, but I wasn't scared. It was just more funny to me. 
Um, and now like nightmares actually make me laugh because I understand what's going on. I understand the point of them. So they don't terrify me as they did when I was much younger. And I've had nightmares since I was like nine, 10 years old. So I'm used to them. And for the most part, um, like, unless I somehow end up on my back, they don't happen. And this was, I kind of knew it, it, it could happen because I was sleeping my, on my back. So I wasn't like too, I wasn't scared just because I knew. Anyway, that's the setup. Here's a follow-up. I, the next day, the very next day, I call my mom and she's talking to me and we're talking about like being in the house or whatever. And she's like out of the blue. She's like, I think my house is haunted. And I was like, what? Oh my God, no. Like don't even finish your sentence because it's going to sound like I'm making whatever I'm about to say up next. So let me just say what I have to say right now. But I just, I had a dream. In fact, I was going to call you this morning, but I didn't want to freak you out because you know, like Nigerian moms, I freak out about everything. The moment you pick up the phone and call them, it's like, who's dying? Like, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Nobody's dead. If, like, if I was dead, I wouldn't be calling you. If something was wrong, I wouldn't call you. You know what I mean? So I was like, I didn't want to freak you out. So I didn't tell you about it. But I didn't tell her what the dream was about. I just said, I had a dream that your house was haunted. And I held back the information about the white woman um, because I didn't want her to think, like the white woman without the face, because I didn't want her to think that like I was dreaming about demons. Because I didn't want her, honestly, I didn't want her to tell me like, go bring out your Bible and read some whatever. Anyway, um, so she goes, oh, hold on, let me tell you. She said, so the other day I was in my house and I felt something in the house. I was in the house by myself and I felt something in the house. And so I began to pray. My mom's super religious. So she's like, I began to pray. I was praying and praying and praying. And then she said, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a white woman with brown, brown hair run out of the closet and out of the house. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what the fuck? I was like, mom, that was my nightmare. That was a dream I had. It was a white woman, but so she didn't have a face. She just had straight hair and, and she was sitting on your couch and she like, you could tell like it made her uncomfortable. She was like, what? Wow. And then she said, well, maybe, maybe that's something. Maybe you're just seeing there's a woman that comes to like, to the house to like clean their house or whatever. And she's like, maybe you're seeing that. So she was prepared to accept the fact that I somehow was able to perceive that there's a woman in their house that's helping them clean. Like I was able to perceive what she looked like, you know, than like I had dreamt of the ghost in her house that she saw, which would then have conformed, conformed, confirmed that the ghost in her house, the white lady was actually there. So the way her mind processed that was very interesting to me. Um, <laughs> but it freaked me out. But the only thing that stopped me from being like, I predicted the future or like my mom's house is legit haunted and whatever, like from just jumping into all sorts of conclusions. The only thing that stopped me from doing that um, was the fact that I do tend to have predictive dreams where I quote, they're not even predictive. It's just me remembering the future, which I've talked over time and time again on this episode. On this episode, no, on this podcast, I've, t- I've mentioned throughout this podcast, um, can you remember the future and on my YouTube channel and on my TikTok, but I digress. So what I told myself was, there was a part of my brain, retrocausality, who knew that I was going to have, or that knew, because all of time is happening right now and you can't remember your future. Go check any video on my YouTube channel that, you know, I talked about this. Um, so I'm tapping into memories of the future. So a part of my brain knew that I was going to have this conversation about my mom's house being haunted. And because of and because it's such an impactful thing and it was emotionally impactful, 
that exchange, I had the nightmare about it the night before. Yes, it's a paradox, but I don't think the universe gives a shit about whether or not we think it's a paradox, right? Because if we want to have the conversation, then would the dream have happened or the dream was like what came first, right? It kind of loops onto itself, but I just, I don't know if it matters. But for me, I, because this has happened to me before, but in a different way. I remember I was having a conversation with my cousin like years ago. And I like, as soon as I got off, like as soon as I woke up, I called him. And I was like, it's so weird. I had a dream that like you had a roommate. Your roommate was like a red haired guy. And he was like dating this Asian girl. And he was like, really like he had like a baseball cap and he was like obsessed with like baseball. And he was like, that's creepy. And I was like, why? And he was like, my roommate is red haired. He is presently dating this Asian girl and he's obsessed with baseball. And he like went and showed me, like he, he FaceTimed me and showed me his roommate's picture in his roommate's room. And he was like, how did you? And I was like, okay, the only thing, because once again, I'm reluctant to think that I'm a psychic. <laughs> the only thing I could think of was that I knew, I just, because it was, it was only like a, maybe a, like an hour or two gap between, I mean, like an hour gap between me having the dream and me having the conversation. So the, what I said to him was, I think I just saw, I dreamt about, so our conversation about your roommate inspired my dream. And I understand that we would not have had the conversation about my roommate had I not had the dream, about his roommate rather, had I not have the, had the dream, but it's not far-fetched right it reminds me of in anthony peaks is there life after death there's a story about a boxer or about a, a guy who had had a dream about a boxer uh or being in a boxing match rather and he's like fighting in the dream and then right about when he's about to like hit you know the, the person he's fighting his opponent the boxing like the ring that signifies the end of a match or around goes off at the exact moment that his alarm went off. So what he was saying in that is that that his mind had to have known the exact moment that the ring was going to go off and then created a story prior to leading up to the door, to the uh, alarm bell going off, created the story of boxing. Either way, there's a time dilation thing happening there, wherever stance you take on it it's that's what's going on do you, if you believe in retrocausality or if it's just it happened at the moment that the bell rang the dream the dream of the boxing match and the bell ringing happened simultaneously but there was still maybe like a time dilation where the person who was dreaming it perceived a longer stretch of time occurring than what actually occurred in the dream. Either way, it's weird. It's not normal, right? So either you believe that the retrocausality occurred and that the bell, the the door, I'm sorry, the alarm bell going off at seven o'clock was what inspired the dream at 6.20 or 6.30, however long you think dreams take, or 6.55 even, right? But either way, there's strange things afoot. So that's the same thing that I'm thinking. I'm not prepared to think that I'm full-on psychic, although I do more and more have like weird experiences my waking life that is pointing towards that but I, i'm not prepared to accept that and i know what some of you guys are thinking why wouldn't you accept that i just i'm not ready yet i'm just not ready yet to be like oh i'm that um although i do think we're all capable of what what i'm discussing and i do think that particularly if you get in the habit of keeping like dream journals you'll find that you can and do dream of the future which once again supports this whole 
like all of our past, all of our future experiences exist simultaneously right now. And all of it is like sort of predetermined and they exist as probabilities. So no matter what, I'm not saying that you're forced on one path. I'm just saying that they're just paths that are just more probable than others. Your life paths that are more probable than others. And I'm saying that you can dream of possible paths, but they're all programmed in before you even entered the simulation. It's like a memory, right? Can you make sudden, you know, slight changes to the memory? Yes, but it still needs that core. It still needs that sort of like foundational memory before, you know, for it to build off of before it branches into like these different sort of like variations of the memory, but the core is still there. Um, so that's interesting to me. Um, wanted to share those two ex- um, occurrences with you guys. And then we're going to wrap up this episode with a couple of thoughts that I noted. Um, I wrote in my notes, if God can become man, man can become God. I was thinking about the concept of like, the Greeks and Greek gods, right? And how the gods, not even just the Greeks, any story about like mythology, they always have the gods mating with humans. And I think about biology, right? And I think about, okay, if a god can mate with a human, then they're the same species, or they're capable of the same thing, right? Then you start to think deeply, like, okay, so for example, let's like let's really analyze this. If I'm God, if I'm a God, not the God, if I'm a, a God, I belong to the pantheon of gods, I am Zeus, right? And I decide I'm going to go down to earth and I'm going to bed a fair maiden, right? Why would I take on a body if I'm just there to like F around, right? I'm just trying to like get off because I'm bored. Why would I take on a body complete with semen? What's the point, right? Because a lot of the time, right, these gods end up impregnating a a human and then they give birth to demigods. So if I'm just going, and especially if Hera is like breathing down my neck, right? Why would I go about leaving evidence of my infidelity, Right, if I could construct any body as a man, as a as a god man, man god, whatever, so I would choose a body that's not gonna like you know <laughs> leave evidence, if you know what I mean. So I would I would not go through the effort of like having sperm. Right, if you're if you want to make the argument that when Zeus came down to Earth to father, you know, well, and accidentally fathered a child or children, um, he took on an avatar then he would have to have taken on an avatar that had the possibility of sperm, which just seems kind of counterproductive, one. Two, if he was taking on like a, just a regular human avatar body, right, then the, the babies that he, you know, fathered would not be demigods, right? Like he wouldn't create Hercules or whatever, right? They would just be regular humans if he just was like temporarily like hijacking or, you know, hijacking a regular human body. So then that tells me that they're showing up in their God bodies and then they're using their God sperm and they're impregnating human beings. And we, as we know in biology, right? Like I can't mate a horse 
to like a lion. They have to be the same species in order for them to reproduce. So if a god can come down and has like god sperm to make demigods, then they're the same species. All right. So what's going on there? I still lean to the idea that, okay, if we're going to talk about gods and we're going to say that gods are a thing, right? Um, it's giving, it's giving Stargate maybe, um, but minus the worms in their head. I think that there's a civilization, it would have to be like an intelligent civilization or whatever, um, who have maybe more advanced human bodies from the past, existing amongst us maybe they've died off maybe they weren't immortal maybe they were just long-lived and when i say they've died off i mean maybe their bodies have died off but they still exist as like consciousness right and which is why like these like like spirit guides or these tulpas or whatever like gods that you know magical practitioners summon summon might just be the ghosts of these like long-lived humans that had superior sperm, very strong or whatever, um, that our ancestors or humans in the past called gods, right? But that tells me then that if they just maybe became that superior, were that strong, were that in- you know intelligent, were capable of controlling the weather, which we're moving towards, and I mean on some level we already are at, right? And other things that the gods were known to do, right? If that was capable for their human bodies, then that should be capable for our human bodies. And the reason why I say human bodies is I want you to understand that you are consciousness that is living through a human body to experience this reality. And then it's just all part of the game, but you're not the body. It's just a car. It's just the vehicle. Right, so that means then that have there been other humans or humanoids that were maybe just more like overpowered than the present humans that we have now, maybe not overpowered, but just capable of more things, right, so the older models of humans were just sort of built with just more abilities, and then as whatever the the overall programmer of the simulation as the game went on they just started like kind of scaling back on its capabilities because there were just more and more subscribers and so the people who the humans who existed before and they were capable of all these things as the games kept you know evolving as the simulation kept evolving um they just seemed like gods in comparison but our the present model of humanity is actually scaled back still may be capable of a lot of what the ancients would have called quote gods were capable of but for whatever reason it's just modified down it's just modded down right so in the past we've talked about sudden savant syndrome right being able to access you know all of these new languages and all of these extraordinary abilities just by having a certain level of change to the brain, right? Now imagine, so like I said in the quote, if a God can become man, then man can become God. If we're going off of the definition that sometimes we tend to inflate and overvalue things that we think are greater than us. So if we're saying that, okay, consciousness is immortal, but the bodies of the gods were not immortals, they were just long lived. It would not be hard to imagine a society 
of humanoids that existed in the simulation in iterations like earlier iterations of the simulation i want you to think of this planet as like westworld and how like they had the earlier the park and then the, the park just kind of changed as the models changed right the bodies changed right um and what they were kind of more and more capable of season four they kind of showed this when Maeve went back into the game, um, I'm trying not to spoil it spoil it for you. You could see that like the new Maeve or the off-brand Maeve or whatever, she just wasn't quite as like feisty. And she also didn't quite have the same capabilities as like the older Maeve, like the first model of Maeve or whatever. But because there was a whole, you know, massacre that occurred that they were trying to like make it so that they were less capable of that. So if you really want to take a step back and view everything as, okay, like this is a simulation, then you really need to sit with what that means. Like you need to throw out all of the ideas of like time and space and we're curling through, you know, through space going whatever, 60,000 miles. Like just table that, put that to the side. Um, I'm not saying that that's not happening. I'm just saying that like, that's just what we're being told and just table that to the side. What if it's all of that is just part of the construct, all just part of the narrative, part of the backstory of the simulation and that we're just like newer models which is more, as more and more subscribers come into the game, they sort of make things more efficiently, uh, more efficient, right? Like imagine, like think about like the first iPhone, for example, I, it had considerably less plastic than like the newer phones have, I would imagine, right? Um, but he, or actually a better example, I think would be cars, especially cars. I used to love classic cars. I still love classic cars. But if you think about like the hot rods of like the 50s, right? And the 60s even, they were made of like metal, right? They were stronger, sturdier, right? They probably lasted longer. And the colors, like think about like all the, like the vibrant colors, the sharp edges, edges, the curves. And now think about what we have now, right? They're made more of plastic, right? And then you get like, literally, like you get like five colors, black, white, gray, blue and red occasionally they're like they'll throw out some funky color but the next time you're out driving look around it's all the same basic boring bougie no not even bougie i wish they were bougie but basic and boring colors that are available to us now right so as as more and more cars have taken the road they shifted to mass production right and so now we have these sort of like the, the style is gone the elegance the elegance rather is gone and we have just these basic model cars right um, even the higher end cars are still not made in the same way with the same care, right? That they made cars in like the fifties and the sixties. It's just, they don't make them like that anymore. They just don't. Um, so I kind of wonder if, could you relook at like mythology as like the older models, the early iterations of human beings, the first models of human beings compared to like us, right? And what we're capable of now. Throw out linear flow of time, throw out Darwin's theory of evolution, like just table but the table that because it's a theory. Table that to the side. Cause you know what I mean? Like just we we 
there are people, there are scientists, there are biologists that don't accept that model. So you don't have to accept it as absolute fact. Free your mind a little bit. And let's think of it more as like, could there have been more ancient civilizations that existed? Remember, I've talked about this planet is like 4 billion years old. Humanity, as we know it, modern civilization has only really existed, quote, existed for like 200,000 years. That's 1%. That's a very small percent if not less than 1% actually, of like Earth's entire age. And I just, I find it hard to believe that we would be it, right? So then what if what we call or know of and have been written about gods really were just like the earlier, the first humans and not like Cro-Magnons or bullshit like that. Because even even the whole thing with like Cro-Magnons and Neanderthals and stuff like, we don't know, we're guessing. So we find a bunch of bones and then our anthropologists write stories. But I guarantee you, if I were an anthropology, uh, I'm sorry, an anthropologist, the way my mind works, I would construct a different narrative, right? That would almost challenge the status quo. But the reason why we have this perception of time and this sort of evolution from like monkey to Cro-Magnon to Neanderthal to Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens, sapiens, and all this other bullshit in between is because of prevailing ideologies that are kind of pushed to the front as, okay, well, this is what we think is going on. But in a parallel universe with different scientists or with more open-minded or less dogmatic anthropologists, our story of quote evolution might not look like this linear flow of, you know, from worse to more advanced. Cause that's not how life really works. If you're paying attention, sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes progress actually becomes a sort of a lessening of things, right? Like look at art. Like I still try to paint like classical art and it's antiquated. I have more and more people telling me, stop doing portraits and do more abstract work. And it's like, leave me the fuck alone, (laughs) okay? Leave me alone. Like, let me do what I like to do. Get what I mean? But if you look back in time, look at the art, like some of these paintings look like pictures because they didn't have the technology of like photographs. And I like, I'm a, I'm, I take, I'm a photographer as well. So I, I don't, it's not a knock to the camera. However, when they didn't have that technology, they only, they just, you just had to fucking paint that detail. Like your eyes had to be tuned to that detail. And so you can look at a lot of classic paintings from like 400, 500, you know, years ago. And they look like pictures. And it's like, I don't even know if like, it's very few and far between that you can find artists that can produce to that quality and that level and that depth and then that intensity and that vibrancy and that, you know, uh, just, and it's just like, yeah. Right. But of course, as a society, we're moving away from that because it's like, oh, you don't, you want, you, it, it, art should be more abstract. It should be more of a reflection of like, what don't you see? It should be more of a reflection of the artist's mind. And then like, everything should be like a reverse Rorschach, whatever. And that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't knock that. Um, but if you look, if you take an alien's eye view of art, as far as just representation of society, right? It certainly has changed. And it certainly has become less complex and less beautiful. I'm sorry, I just, it just, to me, it's become less beautiful. That's to me, 
So that's my quantifier to me. I'm not speaking in absolutes, but to me, it's become less beautiful, less breathtaking, less striking. All right. Same thing even with our clothes, right? It's like the more technologically advanced supposedly we got, you would think that our clothes would reflect that. But for the most part, like we're wearing like cheap fabric and printed tees and sweats and yoga pants and like it's all stretchy. It's not as colorful anymore. It's the same thing. Like our clothes are starting to look like our cars. You don't even have to go that far back. Like if you don't want to look at like what like Queen Elizabeth wore or something like that, right? Look at like what people wore in like this the 70s and the vibrance of the colors and the style and the platforms and the bell bottoms and all the shapes and all the, you know, (laughs) texture and patterns and stuff like that. It's like, that's all gone. As we continue to quote, evolve technologically, I put evolve in quotes, our art, our culture, our, even our homes, right? Modern homes, they just, they're boxy and square, right? And compared to like a classic, like a Spanish home with all the beautiful tiles and like, so if you, it would make sense that early humans were actually much more complex and much more intricately like designed because you don't know how Cro-Magnons live. They just assume based on our present perception of what you know, quote, evolution should have been like. But a, a, a Cro-Magnon could have been capable of things that got lost through time, thoughts that got lost through time, right? Or Neanderthal, right? Or whatever. All we find are bones and we put these naval names on them. But they could have been Atlanteans. They could have been the predecessors to the ancient Egyptians, the people who actually built the Sphinx, Right? We don't know. So don't, close, don't allow people to close your mind is what I'm saying. All right. But it's definitely we can't be just based on everything that like look around. And just seeing how things, even though they kind of evolve, they also devolve. Right. Everything in this world is dual in nature. Everything is a double edged sword. You get what I mean? So I wouldn't I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me to reimagine a past where what we think of as or what people in the past called gods were actually just like the longer living, longer living, most more beautiful, much more well crafted, earlier inter iterations of human beings before the game had like seven billion subscribers because now you're just mass producing bodies like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, it's just control V. It's just easier. Like mass, like shine. We're like dealing with the shines of bodies, you know? And every once in a while you come across like a person that you're just like, wow, somebody really customized you, right? You don't look like a mass produced human, you know, body. Um, I'm not trying to be ableist. Please don't take it that way. Just take it for face value. That's not what I mean by that. Because there've always been people who have been disabled throughout time. But I'm just saying like, think along the terms of what I'm talking about. I I, I hate that I have to quantify things like this. And maybe I don't have to. Maybe my audience understands what I'm saying. And I should just give you guys um, the benefit of the doubt and give you guys more credit. So I think that's what I'm going to continue to do. Um, But I started watching um, the new Game of Thrones. I'll leave you guys with these two thoughts. The first thought I had was, 
this. Um, I thought, I wrote it down. I said, what if we are gods cosplaying as humans? Right? Because um, I was watching the scene where she, the girl, the main, I don't want to even say she's the main character because the way Game of Thrones sets people up, who knows? But the blonde, I don't know her name, um, the king's daughter, the king's um, daughter, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, she rides on her dragon. Dragon, And I thought to myself, like, what if we're that? What if we're all gods in a way? What if we're all like, what I call gods would be like in a different, with a different perspective, a human being being able to ride a horse. I'm sorry, not ride a horse, ride a dragon. And that's immune to being burnt by fire would be a kind of God, right? In a way, right? Um, so what if that's all of us? We're all sort of gods, right? But we are cosplaying as basic right now. And the reason why we have these shows like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and all of these things, even Westworld on the other extreme, um, but taking the side of the AI, right? Um, or at least the intelligence of an AI that's capable of bending reality in that way, but technologically, right? So we're now looking at polar opposites again. Um, but what if we really are gods, just cosplaying as human, right? And my dog, Morpheus, is actually a dragon cosplaying as a dog. Because I always notice this too. Every time they show like a dragon, they kind of have the dragons acting like dogs, right? So it wouldn't just be, because I don't think, I really don't think it's just humans that are intelligent. I think there's intelligences everywhere. So I think that if you're going to enter the simulation, right, then even our dogs could actually be dragons in real life, right? And we're just cosplaying. Because if a god is now a human, right? So think about how great a god would be, right? It would be the equivalent, like the dragon, the dog equivalent of a god would be a dragon. The dog equivalent of a god would be a dragon, right? Majestic, capable of breathing fire, right? Same thing with the, with the god, right? Majestic, capable of like, you know, creating fire, right? Creating realities, right? To be that powerful, but then you're condensed in human form. So my little puppy, Morpheus, could actually be a dragon in real life. And so that was just something to play with. Like my mind was fun. Um, and then the point of the game is you come in and you sort of have this basic sort of experience, um, kind of like that show Once Upon a Time, but without the curse. Uh, but that's the nature of the game, right? Is can you realize that you're really this is like the first step of the game is waking up within the game and then really enjoying the experience of being human as long as you can, right? For a short amount of time. It would be the greatest game, right? For an immortal to play it anyway, right? Just to, for the chance to be small, even if it's just for a short period of time. Why not? I see that being a possibility or probability. Um... There's something else that I wanted to talk about. Oh, the other scene for Game of Thrones that stuck with me was um, one of the princess. She was like an older princess. And she said to the younger princess, she said, men would rather torch the kingdom than see a woman sit on the throne. Now, when she said that, it took me back because it made me realize a few things. 
So I said to my husband, I said, okay, I know what it's like to have, to have a dominant personality and to want to dominate. Um, I just, I have a type A personality. I'm also very tall. Um, <laughs> it's something that I have, that I've been working on. <laughs> it's just this need to like dominate everything. Um, but I'm not afraid to admit these things about myself because it's who I am. I just, it's part of who I am. I don't, I, I don't care what people think that this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Um, I don't, it doesn't matter. But there's an aspect of me that likes to dominate. And what I enjoy dominating are like something that is already powerful. I don't take any pleasure. I wouldn't take any pleasure in dominating something that's weak. What's the point? Right? It's not a challenge to me. And I've also like interacted with men and men who, men are like that too. Like men who know themselves, they also tend to like to dominate and to conquer, right? You see this kind of in, in, in business, you see this in even with dating, right? They say like, you know, men like a chase or whatever. Same, same thing with strong women, actually. So strong women also like a chase. But there's no sense. I don't want to like, if I'm strong, then I need a worthy adversary. Otherwise, what's the point? Then I'm just a bully. Get what I mean? Um, so what I said to him, I was like, why do men go so hard to try to dominate females if we're so weak or if they, they think we're so weak? Because I know what it's like to dominate and I get no pleasure out of dominating something that's like truly weak. Like I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like I need an adversary. Like I need a strong, powerful adversary because that's like, it's like fighting, right? It's like wrestling. You're not going to wrestle. Like if you're a grown man, you're not going to, you, you want, you want somebody that's an adversary. You want to be able to box somebody that's like in your league. That's your same, you know weight class and the same experience level because there's a challenge. I know the the male psyche. I'm not talking about weak, quote, men who call themselves men, but they aren't men. I'm talking about actual men. What, why are they then, why are we then told that women are so weak? My husband said, women aren't weak. Men don't actually think women are weak, not real men. We know they're strong. The problem is you guys need to realize your true strength. And that really hit me. Like it was an aha moment for me. And I wanted to share that with you ladies that are listening to this. Men wouldn't be going out of their way. We live in a patriarchal society. Men wouldn't be going out of their way to dominate the way they try to dominate women. Right? Think about these quote alpha male podcasts, right? They're saying we want a woman to serve, right? Why? Because they're getting off and seeing a powerful, a powerful entity, an entity that's more powerful than they are. That's certainly an adversary, a worthy adversary, quote, submit to them. But the only thing that that kind of man has over you, I'm just talking to women now, so guys, you can go away. Um, the only thing, the only power that that kind of man has over you is your own ignorance to your value, your strength, who you really are. I need you to sit with that. You're not weak. You just live in a society that benefits from you believing that you're weak. And yet we keep turning to men to get to try to get them to acknowledge your strength, but they're not ever going to do that. Because in order for them to dominate you, they need you to believe that you're weak. That's the only sort of one of that they have over you. This applies to race as well, just FYI. I'm gonna need you to really sit with that. So women, I need you to really sit with this. 
nobody actually thinks you're weak. Except for, I think, weak men. Or women who have been programmed with this idea and still with this idea. But if you take a step back and look at actually what we're fucking capable of. On my Telegram group, I posted um, a YouTube video. But I only put the link because it's like excerpts from the book. And I don't want them like copyright and take the video down. So you could put this as a direct link to um, a book by Mitch Horowitz that cites the writings of Napoleon Hill. I want you to sit. It's a 16 minute long video. But I want you, it's an audiobook, um, an excerpt from the audiobook. But I want you to sit and really listen to what is being said there. You need to understand what you really are. Who we really are. See, there's 50% men, 50% women on this planet. It's equal. So are our strengths. Our strengths are different from a man, that's for sure. But that doesn't mean that we're weak just because our strengths differ. Society benefits from you believing that you're weak in order for men to be propagated. Own your strength. Start it now. Start claiming your strength. And I don't mean strength in a masculine sense. I mean strength in your own sense, in a feminine strength. Own that. Because another thing that society wants to convince us or try to convince us of is that strength has to be, a woman can only show strength in the way that a man shows strength. That's the only way that's validated, but that's bullshit. Because once again, it's putting you, you're weakening yourself. It's putting you in an an arena that men are more comfortable in. So that's why that ideology is pushed. So take a step back and really sit with what what are your strengths as a woman? Right? As a woman, what are your strengths? That's what matters. All right.